Hey, if you're uh, here online, so excited that you're connecting with us you know, on this weekend as we continue this series called Relationships, where we're looking at the John Van Epp model called the RAM, uh, where it's a relational attachment model, and we're doing this church-wide. So our kids' ministry is doing this, our youth ministry is doing this, our women's, our men's, and all of our life groups are doing this as well. See, here's what I believe. Since God created relationships then our relationships get better when we do it God's way. And if you'll just give me the next five weeks of your life, if you'll come committed for the next five weeks, or you're watching online or you're here today, I promise that we will help you in your relationships and it won't be a waste of time, guaranteed. In fact, our theme verse for the entire series comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's what we're going to be trying to do. The best thing that can happen for you and your relationships is not just come to church, but that allow Jesus Christ to be in you, to have him work through you in your relationships with other people. So we're going to talk about our relationships with one another and our relationships with God. Now, you might be single and wondering, uh, I'm not really interested in uh, being married. Maybe you're widowed as well. And you're like, this series is not for me. No, this applies to all of your friendships if you want to have a healthy, deep friendship base. If you're single or dating or plan to be married someday... This will really help you as well. Now, if you're married, this is going to help you diagnose some of the challenges that with just a few tweaks can make a major difference in your relationship. Now, if you're a visual learner like myself, most people are, uh, this will help you understand the biblical progression of what relationships are with this illustration. Okay, this is how God has wired us as it pertains to relationships. So today, we're going to focus on no, and then next week, we're going to hit trust, then a couple weeks, rely, commit, and then we're going to finally finish with touch. So men, there is something to look forward to as we go through the series. Just want to remind you of that as well. All right, and though, uh, and we talked about this last week as well, you know, again, that the best relationships that we can have is relationships that we have with God as we relate to one another. So let me show you how this works, because this is actually very fluid uh, in, in, in our relationship. So a young couple finds themselves in love, and then eventually they get married. And those first you know, time, they know each other, they trust each other, they're relying on each other, they're committed to each other, and now they're married. And they're doing all the things that God has wired and created them to be. But then, after a certain period of time, this couple gets pregnant. They have a baby, and babies cry a lot. And so most evenings, the baby cries, and mom gets up to be able to take care of the baby while her husband decides to encourage her by praying for her and going back to sleep. (laughs) Night after night after night. To when finally she begins to think, I thought I knew him. But now all he does is sit around. He used to be so helpful and all he's doing is making me do the work. So what do you think happens here? Right? It starts to go down. And then what do you think happens here? It begins to go off the charts. (laughs) One 
affects the other, which is why we're gonna look at each week as we walk through this. Now think about dating, you know, even for just a second. It's not hard to see one of the most common mistakes that we make in our culture, and that is before we know someone, before we trust someone, before we rely on someone, and before we're committed to someone, this goes to the top. So as we've just gotten to know someone, it's not long in our culture, where we're experiencing sexual relationships outside of marriage. Now here's the problem with that, is that you don't know, you can't trust, you can't rely on this person because you don't know them to be able to trust or rely, and you have no idea what the commitment is in this relationship, and yet you're experiencing this. And whether you admit it or not, God designed us to create a bond when it comes to this. So you're experiencing a bond, but you're very insecure in your relationship because you've accelerated this far too early than the way that was intended in the confines of marriage. Not to hold us back, but actually to enhance and to create the kind of relationship that Christ has called us as well. I mean, think about the story in the Old Testament, Samson and Delilah. Right, Samson was literally giving, given Hulk-like strength to be able to overcome enemies. He's tearing doors off of buildings. I mean, he's doing some crazy stuff in the Old Testament. And he was told by God, as a prophet of God, that there were only three things that he was not allowed to do to be his prophet and to have this incredible strength. Number one, you're not to drink wine. Number two, don't touch dead things. Now, that's a whole another sermon in of itself. But the third is not to have his hair cut. So he had a flowing mane like nobody had ever seen. And so he met this beautiful woman named Delilah. And he wanted to be with her. So he tried to get to know her, but he only got to know her out here. He completely trusted her without knowing much about her. He relied on her. He was committed to her, and he was fully engaged in touch with her. Here's the problem. He didn't know her. He didn't know that she wasn't trustworthy, that she wasn't someone that could be relied on, that she didn't have the same level of commitment that he did, and she did engage in touch. And so it was opposite for her. So what happened was, is that she convinced him to tell him, tell her the secret of his strength, so eventually he gives in, cuts his hair, and the rest of his life comes to ruin. You see, healthy relationships always starts with getting to know someone in a broad set of situations and settings. See, we all have a desire to know and to be known. Now, here's what you understand. The biblical definition to know is pronounced yada. Can you say yada? Yada. Yada appears in our Old Testament 950 times. In the New Testament, it's two Greek words, which are oida and gnosko. Say gnosko. See, look, you're learning other languages. This is going to make your relationships even that much better. Both have similar meaning, which is to know is not the possession of information. In other words, it's not to know about. Let me put it as simply as I can. To know biblically is to experience personally, to have connection with. That's what it means to know. Like, for example, I can tell you I know Russell Wilson, right? I have his jersey. I watch his games. I read articles on him. I can follow his social media account. 
But what do I really know about Russell Wilson? It's only that I know about him. I don't know him. In fact, if I were to come across Russell Wilson at the stadium and would walk up and say, Russell, come on, man, I know you. What would he say? Security, (laughs) right? Because he doesn't know. We don't have that relationship. I know about Russell Wilson, but I don't know Russell Wilson at all. So the question for today is, how do we get to know God and one another in a growing and healthy relationship? Because it's fluid, it's an opportunity for you and I to evaluate with all of our relationships, with our friendships, where are we here? With our dating relationships, where are we? With our marriage, where are we in all of this? So we're gonna be able to have the same progression as we go through this series, because like I said, it's fluid. And, that, and, 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 and as John Van Epp told us a few weeks ago, relationships take work. It takes work. And they're always going to drift towards going down instead of going up. We're going to have to actually put in the effort, plus God helping us is going to lead to some winning relationships. So how do we get to know? I'm going to give you three ways that apply to all relationships at any time. Number one is first, you've got to make the investment of time. You gotta be committed intentionally to time. There's no other way to get to know God or each other than by spending time getting to know God and one another. See, whenever a new couple uh, who's known each other only for a few weeks, right, you see the star in their eyes and they just love one another. And it might be four weeks, it might be six weeks, but this has happened more than one time where they have come up to me and say, Dan, we're in love and we're gonna get married. And I just smile at them But in my heart and mind, I just want to tell them, do you have any idea what till death do us part means? It means dirty dishes, financial fights, and communication glitzes. It means career struggles, time pressures, mortgage payments, and bouts with diarrhea. And I'm not even talking about the kids yet. It means fighting over whether you're going to watch Monday Night Football or the latest episode of The Bachelor. It means watching his hairline recede and his waistline expand. It means navigating family issues, emotional problems, aging, and challenges that you can't even imagine right now. And you're telling me after a few weeks that you're ready to make a permanent till death do us part commitment? Actually, it just sounds like marriage is awful, doesn't it? There is actually some positive you know, things as well. I'm just trying to say the other day. And, and more often than not, here's, here's what you get. Uh, no, we're actually not ready to get married, so we'll just live with each other for a while, and then we'll decide. And I'm like, you've missed the entire point of what we're trying to talk through. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 90-day rule. The 90-day rule. It's a study conducted by researchers who've been studying dating relationships for over 10 years. It was found that about half of all dating relationships have significant alteration in the relationship when they find a new characteristic within a three-month period. In other words, within three months, 90 days, they find out something about the other person that is one of those (gasps) moments that significantly alters the perception of the other person. How significant? Enough to cause the breakup of half of all relationships within the first 90 days of this relationship. So if you're dating today, can you please save yourself and others a lot of heartache and invest more time in getting to know before you begin to work on what it looks like to trust, rely, commit, and then touch. You will save yourself so much as well as the other person. In fact, look with me to 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, which says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
I mean, isn't that true for us? People tend to judge other people on the outside, but God is looking at what's on the inside. Uh, Let me ask for just a a show of hands, and if you're online, put it in the chat. How many single gals do we have here tonight? How many single gals have here? Okay, single guys, that was just for you. Uh, Now, women, isn't it true that when you're dating a brand new guy, that one of the first questions all your girlfriends will ask you is, what does he do? Right? What does he do? It's not about what's on the inside is what your friends are asking. They want to see what's on the outside. All right? Let me ask you single guys. Isn't it true that when you're out with a brand new girl, the first question that your guy friends ask you is what? What does she look like? Right? Which brings us back to 1 Samuel 16, 7. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So how do you get to know what's on the inside? How do you discover their integrity, their heart, their character, their spiritual commitment? You do that through a range of shared experiences over time. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 says this. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. How do you become that connected where you're loving one another with one mind and purpose? It takes place when you know each other. And like I said, this is for all relationships. The Apostle Paul wrote most of our New Testament, and he had some deep relationships with a number of people, one of which was Timothy. You can read about their relationship in the book of Acts. But through the course of them getting to know one another and be in relationships and go through experiences in one another, You see the trajectory of how they went from know to trust to rely to commit and to touch, which is why Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10, but you, Timothy, certainly know. In other words, you have experienced personally what I teach and how I live. You know what my purpose is in life. You know my faith. You know my patience. You know my love. You know my endurance. How does he know all these things? Because he has seen Paul in many different environments, which helps him to get to know him. It takes time. But if you will take the time to be able to do so, it will pay off in tenfold. In fact, if you're dating or even trying to be friends with someone at a deeper level, watch them in some of these other environments. Maybe it's the best way to get to know other people initially. See, early early on, you will actually get to know more about them by getting to know their friends. See, who do they choose to hang out with? Because who you hang out with is who you'll become. Check out their family. Watch to see how they relate with their mom. Watch to see how they relate with their dad. Watch to see how they relate with their siblings. Get to know them in groups. I always encourage you know, singles to, to group date as much as you can because you get to watch not only how they interact with you because we always like to present our best selves, but the, bar, the, 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 the veneer comes down and you're able to see how they relate with other people. What do they post on social media? What do they say they care about versus actually what do they talk about? See, out of the overflow of the heart, the Bible says the mouth speaks. If they play sports, go watch them play and see how they act. If they don't play sports, play a board game with someone. That will reveal a lot, believe me. Now, what if you're already married? 
And maybe you have been married a very long time. You still need to spend time, intentionally focused time, with your spouse. Now you might say, but Dan, I already know her. I don't need to spend more time with her. Yes, you do. Because people change over time. And I don't mean spend time with her and all the friends. Her and all the kids. Just you and her. In fact, if you're married, you have to keep dating your spouse. Stay curious with that person. Uh, one of the best habits that my wife and I got into, you know, on a regular basis is we date uh, as, as, as many times, you know, that we can in, in, uh, in the course of a year, once a week in the course of a year. And, and we've done it different times and stages in our life. And we realize that based on our age and our stage with where the kids are at and all that kind of stuff, the best time for us to date is Friday during lunch. Because we used to do, it used to be nighttime for movies. And then we just realized, why are we going to a movie? We don't even talk. That doesn't make any sense. Or we'd go night, you know, we put the kids down or something like that because the kids were younger and we're like, I'm tired. You're tired? Yeah, let's just go to bed. You know, so you don't have any energy to actually continue to do so. So we found out for both of us that we can both take a lunch afternoon. And I'm not kidding. We've taken this so seriously that even during COVID, we made our kids go downstairs as we ordered in, you know, from DoorDash and that kind of stuff in order for us to still spend our date and time with one another. And I stay curious and we ask questions and we find out what's going on in each other's lives. It's a regular rhythm. And trust me, I've known her for 24 years now in marriage, not letting alone the three years beyond that of our, of our dating experience. And I get to know something about her almost every single time we connect. Could be because I'm just slow, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> Some of you are okay even good to know others. Some of you guys are. But your issue is not getting to know others. You hold yourself back from being known by others. See, to be known is to allow others to know you on a deeper level. I mean, here's what I do know. I know that uh, many of you, all of us, has probably gone through heartache and pain at some point in our lives. It could have been by family members that we grew up, people that were supposed to love us and protect us and look out for us, and they didn't. Uh, maybe it was friends you know, that you put your trust and your faith into, and what happened? They stabbed you in the back. They gossiped. They left. They turned their backs on you. You know, maybe it was in dating relationships or something else that you were wounded you know, by that. So what that has created for you, which is a natural tendency, is that once I go through some sort of pain, I usually have a tendency to put people at arm's distance. Now, how do I know this for certainty? Because I've done this many times in my life. Many times I've opened up myself in friendships or even previous dating relationships or even with my wife. And I have found myself at times being wounded. And in that wounding, my first reaction is to control and say, I'm not going to allow that to happen again. And I don't think I'm the only person who feels that way. In fact, I want to show you a testimony of a gal named Mary in our church who also experienced the pain of a family situation. But what she's experiencing now is amazing as she gets to know what healthy relationships look like. Let's hear from Mary now. At a young age, I just couldn't develop any friendships with anybody, and I didn't understand why. My earliest memories of relationship were actually with my mother. And she was a very nurturing person from my birth to about 11 years old. And then my father left my family. There was an abandonment there, and uh, he came back. He actually 
found Jesus and came back to our family. That was a huge impact on us. Of course, having our family together again. My mom was jealous of my relationship with my dad, manipulating me to take care of her. I tried to build a relationship with her and compromised myself to do it. And, and when we invited her to live with us, I, I compromised myself again and I didn't have any boundaries with her. She kind of abused the situation and then we asked her to move out and it just declined from there. And then I came to a time where I met Donna and um, went to the mentor program. God really showed me I had a lot to learn about relationships. Any, any time I needed her, she was very reliable. She was never made me feel judged. She always uh, supported me and had affirmations for me. Um, but she also told me the truth, and she did it with love. And I think that's what I missed my whole life. I didn't have, I didn't have that relationship where I could trust that the love was genuine and it wasn't manipulative. And I know that there's people in our church that probably feel that way. I know I have. and. I'm just really grateful to my God for the opportunity to be a part of this program and help them to overcome that and be known. I hope you heard in the story, she went through a lot of pain and then she took a risk again and she met Donna. And as she got to know Donna more and more and more, Donna, through that knowing, then she began to trust. And then she began to rely. And you can see the commitment that's taking place in her life as well. I mean, this is what it's supposed to look like. And does that mean that we open up vulnerably to everybody that we meet? No, actually, we're going to talk about that a lot more next week when it comes to trust. But if you want to grow in your relationships, you've got to know them and you've got to be known by them and invest some time and ignore the distractions. In fact, one of the best quotes that uh, I read about this this week was from Pastor Tim Keller, who says this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. That's why healthy relationships are so important. But like I said, this doesn't just apply this idea of knowing as it pertains to our relationship with one another. It's the same when it comes to our relationship with God. See, to know God is to spend time with him, not just to know about God, because sometimes we can do that because we're reading a book called the Bible that we can get to know about God without ever experiencing the God of the Bible. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes this, I want to know Christ. In other words, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. In 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And again, that word knowledge is to actually know personally. 
And let me just give you two practical ways that you get to know. Just like you need to have dates with your spouses, just like you need to have intentional time with friends, you've got to have time with God. We call them quiet times. Time where you can reflect in prayer and time where you might be able to journal and you open up God's word and you allow God's word to read you as a letter from a person that guides us and directs us, heals us, equips us, and encourages us. The second way we do that is together. So it's not just me and God, it becomes we and God in large and small groups. You, you come together online and as, as well as today in the auditorium and, and, and we get into life groups together. You know, these smaller environments, whether men with men or women with women or, or mixed genders. In Hebrews 10, 25, it just tells us, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we get to know God in these environments and to be known by him is when we spend time. That's number one. Secondly, we then need to act on what we know. See, it's one thing to know what's going on in a person's life, but if we want to be like Jesus, we actually have to act on what we know. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. It's okay to look out for your own interests, but only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, study after study shows that the number one need a man has in a relationship is to be respected, and the number one need a woman has is to be loved. Now, that is some goal that you need to take with you, and they're just figuring it out, which was the Bible has actually said for thousands of years. Let me show you what may be one of the most important passages in the Bible for understanding the differences. Yes, men and women are different. The differences between men and women. Ephesians 5, 33 says, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Did you see that? What women want is love, to be cherished what men want is to be respected. So husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Now, why would God say that? Because he made us. And he knows that the primary need of a woman is to be loved. And the primary need of a man is not love, but respect. That's what it looks like. So now women, if you know that the number one need of a man is respect, then what's holding you back from giving it to him? Well, you might say, he does so many stupid things. Well, I don't know. Your husband might be a stupid man. He married you. I mean, I mean, he did the one smart thing in his life. That's what I mean. He did the one. So maybe he's not completely stupid after all. I'm just trying to lift up the fact. We're just having a good time here. <laughs> Here's the fact. Shanti felt him as a Harvard-trained statistician. She did a survey with hundreds of men from many different places with consistently the same results. She asked men this question. Would you rather spend the rest of your life alone and unloved, or would you rather spend the rest of your life disrespected and inadequate? High, high, high percentage of men said that they would rather spend the rest of their life alone and unloved than the rest of their life feeling disrespected and inadequate. And women can't believe it because the same question, vice versa, was the answer. Now, something I learned this week that I never knew. Remember the, the, the late, great Aretha Franklin? 
Remember her song, Respect? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, tell me what it means to me. It's one of Billboard's greatest hits of all time. Well, that's a good expression for her, and a lot of women need and find a lot of fine respect. But she, this is what I didn't know, she didn't write that song. In fact, a guy, Otis Redding, wrote the song as a heart cry of every man after he had a fight with his girlfriend. That's where the song was birthed. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what that means to me. And apparently his girlfriend never did because his next song was sitting on the dock of a bay. But just, just saying, something I'm not really familiar with. So women, here's your homework assignment this week. Try this. Just try it. Think of just two or three things you respect or appreciate about your guy. And say, you know, I was thinking about you today, and I want you to know how much I respect you for, and fill in the blank. Just smile and walk away. If you say it genuinely and in front of others, it will actually go tenfold. In fact, one of the ways that I know relationship may not be healthy is when a wife disrespects her husband in public. You can see it all over his face. You can see what takes place. Now, guys, let's turn the tables. Here's your homework assignment for this week. Show your wife that you love her by accepting and loving her for who she is, not putting her or comparing her to who she isn't. There should never be a day where she wonders if you love, accept, and are there for her. But here's what I know. I have failed in my own relationship, quite honestly, many a days. In fact, hold her hand just randomly from time to time. Uh, One guy said, I hold my wife's hand everywhere we go because if I let go, she shops. (laughs) That's a different story and a different sermon. But find out, honestly, primarily, find out her love language. Is it touch, acts of service, quality time, gifts, or words of affirmation? And do those daily for her. Now you might say, Dan, I, I, I can't afford it. Guys, listen, listen. A date night or a date lunch or a gift or an act of service is far cheaper than a divorce. And this is critical when it comes to marriage relationships that you stay curious and you stay knowing and you stay loving her specifically in this way. Think about it for just a second. Your wife or even the person you're dating is a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. She needs you to honor and cherish and love her. So men, maybe another way to ask this is this. Would you want your future or current son-in-law to treat your daughter the way you treat your wife? Something to sit back and evaluate with God. See, we know these things, so let's act on what we know. So let me reread this one more time. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Even if it's not how you're wired, love that person how they're wired. Now, how do you know and grow in a relationship? You make the investment of time. You act on what you know. And lastly, know where your identity comes from. Know where your identity comes from. God knows you. He loves you. Even as he knows every part of you. 
In Psalms 139, verse 1 through 4, it says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. And guess what? He still loves you anyway. And he still loves me as well. That's amazing. He knows all that stuff, and he still loves me. How many of you guys have seen the movie Jerry Maguire? Right, most famous line, you know, you complete me, you complete me. Now listen to me carefully, because I'm going to tell you some truth from God's word, the best relationship manual that was ever written, which is God's word, the Bible, another human being cannot complete you. And if you put that kind of pressure on another person, if you put that kind of pressure on a friend, if you put that kind of pressure on a dating relationship or a spouse to make up for the gaps in your own life or in my life, you're just setting yourself up for a huge disappointment and you're gonna kill that relationship over time. See, another person cannot complete you. Only God can. You find yourself complete in Christ, which makes you then great to be in relationship with other people. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 tells us, may you experience, there's that word know again, the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Here's so I can be honest with you in my life. When my relationship with Christ is really good, it's fascinating how my relationships with other people, regardless of the circumstance, are also good. My relationship with Christ feels distant or there's things that are going on in my life that, that I've pulled away from God and I start looking to my wife to be the one to supplant or be that. We don't do so well. Neither do I do well with my kids or with other relationships. I find this law at work in my own heart. See, when we know Jesus, you begin to know your true identity. Genesis 1.27 reminds us, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them separate but equal in the way he designed male and female he created them and then in John 1 12 it says but to all who believed him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God so we went from being created in the image of God to be part of the family of God through the adoption that God gives us through his son Jesus Christ you are sons and daughters of the king of kings and the lord of lords And 2 Corinthians 5 tells us at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. This is your identity. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So how do I get to know God and others? It takes intentional time. It takes an action to act on what we know. And we experience the other people in the best way that we know when we have found our identity in him. That's how he has wired us. So what is your next step? Every great relationship with God comes down to one core thing, to know and be known by him and other people. You and I have some assignments to do to begin to put into practice this this week to take some time in our small groups, to take some time in conversation, to be able to have, when you go on date nights, you're meeting with your friends, you're gathering around in your groups, you're gonna have an opportunity to try to figure out where am I? Because remember, it's always fluid 
when it comes to relationships. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to serve, to love, and to connect with you. I pray, Father, that you would just allow us to find our true identity in you. And out of that, we find ourselves to be known and knowing others in the way you design. Help us to be intentional about the time. Wherever you might find us, Lord, whether we're single, whether we want just to work on our friendships or dating or in marriage or grandparents, Father, I just pray that you would just help us to exhibit the relationships that you have wired and created. We love you so much for making all this possible and showing us how to do this. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.